Be inspired to love life, to achieve extraordinary feats and to change the world around you for the better. Welcome to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott. Serena Rouser is an internationally acclaimed opera singer known for her captivating soprano voice and remarkable performances. Hailing from Australia, she has significantly impacted opera with her talent and dedication. Falling into music influenced by early Penko lessons and ballet, Serena embarked on her musical journey. She honed her skills as a vocalist with degrees in music and a master's degree in the arts, specialising in musical analysis at La Trobe University in Victoria, Australia. After graduation, Serena attended Melbourne University, obtaining a Diploma of Education and subsequently worked as a music liaison officer for the Italian Arts Festival, which at the time was part of the Festival of Two Worlds, a collaboration founded by the famous Italo-American composer Giancarlo Minotti, connecting the arts festivals of Spoleto, Charleston. Serena migrated to Europe and throughout her long career, Serena collaborated with renowned artists and performed in prestigious venues worldwide. While Serena's talent knows no bounds, it is worth mentioning that she has Australian-Italian roots. This cultural blend adds a unique flavour to her performances, captivating audiences with her diverse musical interpretation. Serena's dedication to her craft and ability to evoke emotion has solidified her status as an esteemed opera singer. Her contributions to the opera world continue to leave a lasting impact impact, inspiring aspiring musicians and captivating audiences. This is Serena's first story. Well, Love Your Life, Tell Your Story is a great podcast for people to tell their story and you have an extraordinary story as we've just heard from your bio. Serena, your story today is called Moving Randomly Towards My Destiny and you've had an extraordinary destiny. Can you just tell us where you're at today in your destiny? Well, um, actually, I've just retired from um, 25 years of a wonderful career in the, the um, chorus and choir of the Maggio Musicale Fiorentino, which is the state opera in Florence. And uh, we perform both uh, symphonic works and operas uh, all over the world and, and also mainly in Florence. And... Um, I've had a wonderful time working with amazing musicians and meeting a lot of famous people and just enjoying my life in general. It's a great lifestyle. Well, from what I've seen of your promos and sending a material to me to, before your story, it seems amazing. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about what your story's going to be about today that you're sharing with us? I decided to... Um, outline my the first story derived from my thoughts of how I started my career and how random the whole thing was and then when I thought about all the steps moving towards you know eventually what I ended up doing it was very random the only unifying theme let's say that tied the whole thing was this desire to keep going um, this desire to not give up and and um actually realizing that this is the only thing I wanted to do and even at a point where I decided I was going to almost give up because the obstacles were too great for me I just thought what am I going to do now you know um, if I don't do singing what do I do and I couldn't think of anything else so I kept going. 
So given that you've been invited to be part of our dedication series, um, can you t would you start with your dedication from childhood that invited you to start your career from then? Well, no, I had no idea I was going to become a singer. In fact, when I started studying as a singer, I couldn't even call myself a singer. I just, I kept people saying, so what are you doing? And I kept saying, oh, well, I'm studying singing. I never could say I was a singer until I was actually professional. <laughs> and because uh, I was so, as you were talking about my childhood, um, as I was growing up, I've always loved singing, um, but just as a spontaneous act of you know, joy. I've never thought of myself as singer. I enjoyed singing in the classroom with, with the other children. I enjoyed um, singing along to the piano when my brother played. I even did, even when I heard piano pieces, which were very difficult, I would imitate them. So I'd always enjoyed playing with my voice, but I never thought of myself as a singer. I remember one time we had a, a competition on the playground in primary school where it was like, who could hold the longest note? <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, and I'd, you know, just take a big breath and hold this note that never stopped and I'd always win, but I never thought that was an actual, you know, feat of any kind at all. But I always played with my voice. I enjoyed music always, but I never thought of myself as a singer. In fact, when we did singing in um, primary school, uh, we'd have this event back then uh, where a teacher uh, um, would come every week, a singing, a, a music teacher would come every week, teach us a song. And then all of the schools in Victoria would have this particular song broadcast and they'd all sing it together with every other school in Victoria. <laughs> so it was a nice program. And I really enjoyed that and, and always looked forward to her coming to teach us this song. One particular day, she was right next to me and she noticed that I had a tuneful voice. And so she said, oh, what a lovely voice. Why don't, do you want to sing on your own? And I just looked at her with terror in my eyes. And I said, no, no way. <laughs> and so um, this is when I realised that I didn't like performing in front of other people and I had um, performance anxiety. But there was no way I'd like, I wanted to sing in public. So can so, you t tell me more about that? So you, you didn't you felt self-conscious as a child and yes. embarrassed when singing in public how did that affect your passion for singing well um when i was singing with others like we also had to sing songs in groups i was fine i was you know no problems but when i sang on my own it was quite a big deal and also there was no reason no one thought of me as a singer i also did ballet as a child and i i found that much less evoking of tension because maybe because physically you're moving and so the tension is dissipated as you're moving and I enjoyed mm. dancing even in public I didn't mind it and I always did quite well in exams but with with music because I also learned piano I'd always tense up even as I was practicing and I'd have problems uh, with the piano I'd always make a mistake I could never play a piece without making a mistake <laughs> which really irritated me and I think a lot of it was due to the fact that I was tense and that I, I, you know, no one really taught me how to relax as I was playing. And the same with singing. I enjoyed it by myself and it came spontaneously. But um, when it came to performing, I would go into like this big you know, anxiety. There was one time I had to sing uh, in high school. I had to sing in public and I'd rehearsed it and all that. And it was okay, but 
I couldn't control it and I was actually out of tune and it was a bit embarrassing. So, so were there high expectations from the beginning for you to perform? Well, actually, now that you mention it, when we were little, my brother and I were just sort of, you know, early, early primary schoolers and my mother and father decided to um, buy a piano for us and that was really exciting and we were you know we when we got this piano we you know with our little finger we'd you know dingy dingy ding and yeah. play around play around and my mother was a hard worker and she'd work she'd sit on her machine on her overlocker and and work all day and from the other room right at the back of the house I could hear her say Use both hands. <laughs> and, Im- and immediately I thought, mm, God, I think the expectations are going to be high here. <laughs> you know, we hardly know how to play, you know, like even just, we just got the instrument and we have to play well. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, my God. And, in fact, you know, we were sort of, um, we got lessons and we were ordered um, to to practice every day and that made it even worse. No one wants to be told to practice every day and, of course, we didn't, you know, we didn't approach instrument, the, the study of the piano with great passion. It was a bit of a chore, even though I enjoyed playing music. Yeah. And did your parents have a love for classical music or was it something that they wanted for you to have a love for classical music? Both my parents are of peasant uh, Italian stock. My father's from Sicily and my mother's from Calabria in Italy. And they both came out um, after the war to Australia, but separately. And they met there in Australia. And um, so, but they were very similar cultures uh, and they both, had musical music in their lives but not from a formal point of view um my father just had a beautiful very velvety voice and he and his four brothers would just sort of spring out into a four-part quartet just spontaneously without any without any musical um training at all they just had good ears and so that was, you know, lovely to hear them do that. And they sang these sort of traditional folk songs. My mother, on the other hand, was from this little town in the in the mountains in Calabria. And even though, like, a few people played the, the fisarmonica, they played the accordion, there was no formal training. But my mother was practically the only one out of the whole group who loved listening to the radio and loved particularly listening to classical music. So when she when they did get together, um, she would buy these records, you know, in the supermarkets and in, in the department stores. And they were often like a series of classical music um, records where you'd have like basic uh, music history as well written in the in the, in, in the in the jackets in the in the records. And so that actually was my first music training. I would read these um, this really interesting. I found it fascinating. Lives of the composers, and I'd listen to all the different types of music because um, they were, you know, they were records which were meant to give just the you know the mass uh, a bit of a, a taste of all different kinds of classical music or the classics and so I learned to love, love music because of that and because my mother also enjoyed um, watching musicals on tv and so I, I also used to really get involved in that and really loved that too so basically even though she had no musical training they loved music and, and wanted us to to learn it. 
So it sounds like this was in your household and this was slowly shaping you and forming a love and passion was developing yes. in early in your childhood. Yes, definitely, definitely. Even though probably out of my siblings, I wasn't. I was the one who was less likely, the, the less talented one. My sister, who was thirteen years younger, would listen to her at once and remember the whole thing word for word. I remember she used to know all the words to my West Side Story from the record, and I and I don't have a memory for words at all. <laughs> uh, and uh, she was more talented than I am, but, you know, she was more interested in modern pop music. And my brother found the whole study a bit uh, stressful, even though he was probably more talented than I was on the piano. So you kept up with your lessons, obviously. And this was, from what age would, would uh, you say from, you started? Uh, let's say let's start from seven, eight years old, yeah. Uh, just piano, basic piano, but I never really got very far. I only went to grade four and then my brother gave up because he was he just was so terrified that the day before his exam, his fourth grade exam, he didn't go and that was the end of that. I gave it up together with my brother and I ended up picking it up again when I went to uni. Okay, so it stayed, it stayed in you, if you like, and then ballet also. Yes, How old really, were you when you um, started? I started late. I started at about 10 at 10, 10 years old and I only kept going for a while. I remember at school we used to do musical comedies and I really wanted to be involved, but my my parents didn't want me to go to leave the house after school. They were very strict Italian parents and so they wouldn't let me do after-school activities or go on excursions or anything like that until I was about 18. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I lost a lot of opportunities because I couldn't get involved in school, school activities after school. Okay. What would you say was your favourite in classical music? I loved it all, but I think particularly I was in love with Tchaikovsky. Okay. It just evoked so much mm, joy and his melodies were so beautiful. And uh, I remember as a child, I was probably in grade one or two, and a girl goes, oh, so who's your, you know, who's your, your what music do you like? And I go, I go, I love Tchaikovsky. And she goes, what? <laughs> Who's that? And I realised then, oh, I must be listening to different kinds of music to those people and that I was a bit of a dork. Yeah. It's not the Bay City Rollers. Uh... No. <laughs> what no, other kids? Is, this is way before the Bay City Rollers because okay. I was actually a fan of theirs. Oh, okay. But that was in high school. Okay. Yeah. So whoever was, you were supposed to be listening to at that time, you say Tchaikovsky. Yeah. And I they say what? <laughs> I wasn't even aware of it. But we did listen to a lot of radio. We did listen to a lot of radio because I do remember distinctly as a child, as like a preschooler, running up to the radio to hear Nancy Sinatra's uh, "These Boots Are Made for Walking." Okay. <laughs> uh, and and I love the bit that went dun 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 dun, and I used to go really close to radio to hear that. <laughs> So, so, uh, so you you felt you were uh, not quite in with the in crowd when you say that you love Tchaikovsky. <laughs> yes, yes, I thought there must be something different going along here. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's a little bit different. But um, did you find any like-minded children at your school who did like the classics? Not in primary school. No, no, no not at all. Not even in high school, to tell you the truth, because uh, in our school the music wasn't um, uh, wasn't offered as um, a, like there are some schools that actually promote uh, classical music and and they teach instrument 
and they're usually the the schools that um, you get some exposure to classical music. I don't remember distinctly any kind of classical music didactic or programs. Programs, and, yes. And obviously, you weren't exposed to going to a conservatorium or anything no, like that at your no. school. No, I didn't. I wasn't, you know, in that. My mother wouldn't, didn't think of sort of sending me to any particular. I even tried to get my sister in because when I was, when I got, became older and started teaching music at uh, high schools, I, I, I had access to a violin and I encouraged my sister to start learning. She was very talented and I said, she won't take it up seriously unless she's, you know, she's surrounded by it and, and sees that her peers are also studying it. Let's send her to a music school. My mother refused because she wanted her to be close by. <laughs> and so, you know, the school that was close by, Mercy College, had no music program, not any serious music program. And so, you know, she never ended up taking it up, even though I knew she was talented. So as a as a young girl, you you fall in love with Tchaikovsky and these experiences. How did it impact your love of love of music that you're 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 seeing yourself um, as a little different? Well, uh, there were several influences. One, I was I used to get lost in that music. I used to feel great emotion. I used to dance around the house to it. <laughs> And it was all an excuse to get out of washing the dishes. <laughs> I used to, like my mum used to go out shopping or something. She goes, I want you to do this, this and this and get this finished by the time I get home. And and I've, this is where my biggest habit I have of procrastination evolved, I think. Um, I would put on songs and dance around and anything just so that I wouldn't do those chores that I was assigned. I'll watch, watch, you know, reams and reams of, of musical comedies or Shirley Temple, Shirley Temple movies and, and, and avoid doing what I had to do. <laughs> and this is a, a habit that has still persists to uh, invade my life today <laughs> and is still a big problem, procrastination. Uh, anything that I need, uh, that I have to do, I find that I don't want to do. And I will find anything else to do. But luckily, my escape was this, you know, music and dancing around the house and, and creating my own fantasy land and and letting the emotions sort of um, get hold of me. And so that really did inspire me to um, to towards the love of music and, and the arts in general. And another thing that was very uh, influential in my life was um, my uncle, my father's brother, who is quite flamboyant compared to my father. I'm very cultured. He ended up um, having a partner who is um, Australian and who um, was a pianist and he ended up being a dentist in the end. But uh, he had seriously taken up piano and is a, was, is a good friend or was a good friend. Now they're both deceased. I uh, was a good friend of Stephen McIntyre, who's a very famous Australian pianist. And um, they'd have this beautiful, um, beautiful dinner parties occasionally for the family. And they had a lovely house in South Yarra and it was all sophisticated. So I associated culture and music with this lavish lifestyle, this refined taste and good dining and everything was just, for me, wonderful in that house. There were these beautiful scenes that you saw and they were yeah, associated and experienced. with Music. And they were so different to my parents who were really sort of, you know, down to earth, very hardworking. They were, you know, they were also hardworking, but they didn't have this sort of sophisticated taste in a very sort of normal lifestyle. 
and uh, and I just associated higher culture with this sort of lavish lifestyle and you know refined tastes and and so um, I loved going there because I could I could see how much they they appreciated the music and so I thought that's what I you know that's a kind of world I want to get into so. So this discovery influenced your understanding and connection to music as well. That this was yeah. a light, a, a beautiful lifestyle that you you could connect. Yeah, and also the fact that my uncle and his partner really appreciated the music and and held it at um, um, uh, in high regard, and it was a priority for them. They always had music. They always had culture. Unlike um, your friend at school. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unlike my friends at school. I mean, I love the music that they love too. I love pop music as well. Uh, I think that's all. I think it's all valid. I think all forms of music are valid and have their place. I don't have. I don't think that you know classical music is any. But I think I think it can create a lot of emotions that people don't realize because not many people hear that uh, energy coming from a live orchestra or a live choir. Um, very often in their lives you know there's a lot of energy uh, and and that comes out of there that is actually mind-blowing I remember one of the first one of the concerts I did to just sort of people that never heard it before and one guy comes up to me goes I never thought the voice could be so you know so potent so so loud you know and and my brother just recently when he uh, came to see me just before um um retiring he I invited him to see a rehearsal in the chorus room and he goes, I never, you know, it was just such a loud and potent sound. I never thought it could be so, you know, um, uh, breathtaking. Well, let me clarify what I meant by that. What I meant by at school, you didn't seem to connect with a personal identity. And well, you connect on different levels. Yes. You don't just connect on a cultural level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest divide was cultural was mm. the fact that I, I I came from an Italian background which is fine because yeah. a lot of Italian kids in there but when I first started school I couldn't speak a word of English yeah and so uh, the first few months was like I didn't know what they were saying it was very uh, intimidating and very you know um, dividing and I, I just couldn't connect to anyone except and except for other people in my predicament I remember the day that I could actually understand everyone had been sent to the zoo on an excursion except for me because I couldn't go to any excursions so that was that was what I what I mean by yeah. the biggest it's just I had a very secluded and and mm. my parents very strict and I wasn't allowed to do what other kids were allowed to do and so I lived one reality at school and another when I went home and I found that was the biggest divide rather than the music because I could relate to any kind of music I liked all music it was more the fact that culturally I felt different to everyone else yes I can Uh, I can hear that and and so here is this connection and so this this connection to your identity is really rounded out yeah, well, when... well, I could get lost in I could get lost yes. in, in the music and uh, and have create my own little world so that was yeah it was like an escape for me yeah yeah in that sense yes yeah and so beautifully uh, but... beautifully done and so is this story and this main theme of overcoming these obstacles and finding this escape and you said something about procrastinating but when when you didn't procrastinate in this world, this world was a place where uh, you felt free. 
Okay, so the pre- procrastination, which is something which it still persists, is is uh, this feeling that um, I have to avoid duty. It's I remember at HSC, which is the the old matriculation at high school, I I went into an ex- existential crisis. I thought, what am I going to do now with my life? And and I just and I nearly failed my exams, even though I always did well at school, always had high grades, but I had sort of sabotaged. This is another theme that's in my life sabotaged um my final year because I just I just thought it's the expectations and and maybe the fear of of living up to your potential because then that brings in into more into ground that you're not familiar with and so I just sort of gave up almost on my final year and also because I didn't know what I wanted to do so eventually when I um when I did pass, but just by the skin of my teeth, mm-hmm. um, uh, I had decided to do psychology, maybe just so that I could resolve all these <laughs> these turmoils, <laughs> this uh, this need to sabotage everything, the fact that I was indolent, the fact that I wasn't proactive, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I eventually did psychology and I thought, oh, yeah. Um, but uh, I my my marks weren't high enough for me to get into a university like Melbourne University or um, other central universities, and and so I got an offer to La Trobe University, university which is still a very good university, and um, and I could do psychology, but because my marks were so low, they sort of needed proof that I could handle it, and so they I did two of the units of the program which was biology man and environment and politics and the and the third unit which was psychology had to be postponed and I could pick up any other subject for that year and then give it up and take psychology and I'd be one year behind in that main unit and my and because I was daunted by the whole thing of going to university and I didn't know how to enroll I took my brother who was one year younger and he'd already enrolled and I took my brother with me. I said, can you help me, you know, do the enrollment? He goes, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And so he came with me and I had to choose this third random subject out of, you know, out of a whole list of subjects that were never ending. And he goes, why don't you just do music? You know, you did it (laughs) as a child. And I go, oh, well, yeah, okay, why not? (laughs) That is it. This is the beginning to my career. And, and random, you know, ra- this is what you yes, I see what yeah. you called moving to randomly towards your destiny. Yeah, because that wasn't, that was the beginning of a whole series of random events, which, which uh, encouraged me to keep going. But I had no idea what I was going to do. I knew that I, I enjoyed psychology because it was like this deep yearning to work out my own mind. And that still persists today. In fact, um, I'm moving um, ever more towards um, the study of neuroscience, which I find fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, that's something I probably will um, develop now in my older age. But when I think I'm actually more able to understand it and and, and, and take advantage of, of, of what it has to offer. But at the same time, I got introduced into this amazing world because the course at Latrobe was very experimental. It was designed, and I really thank 
for people who set up that amazing department because it was designed for people who didn't necessarily have musical background. They had maybe a little bit of musical background, but you could study it just from a theoretical point of view, from a historical point of view, from an analytical point of view, and uh, you didn't have to actually know how to play an instrument if you didn't want to. But they offered it as well. Uh, they offered jazz. They offered performance. But it was just a wonderful group of people that I became very close to, specifically uh, John McCacky, whose brother used to run the National Gallery in um, Melbourne. And he, he came from an amazing family, the McCackies, who uh, the parents were like um, in the health the health um, field and had opened up. I think they were they had opened up the the McCallum, an important hospital in Melbourne. Anyway, the whole family was famous and and brilliant, and so he um he did general music and did uh, hear uh, listening. He did um oral training, and that's another random thing. You know, it's just like. And we were doing all the training and he heard me sing because we all had to sing just to, to learn how to do intervals and stuff like that and, and do uh, sight singing. And he says he says to me sort of privately, because you've got a good voice, why don't you consider doing singing? Wow. <laughs> and and the, other thing, the other thing was that uh, part of the course compelled us to, we had to do at least one year's worth of choir. And I really was interested in doing that. I wanted to do that, but I knew my parents wouldn't let me stay at after school after, you know, and this is, I'm, I was already in my twenties and I knew that would be a problem because someone had to take me there and, and, you know, or, or otherwise they had to let me go be taken home by someone else, these strangers. And so I had to convince them that they were, were, it were um, safe and, um, you know, they weren't going to do any bad things or influence me badly. <laughs> And so in in a way that also helped me to become more independent because because I said, oh, it's obligatory, I have to do it. There's no, you know, there's no decision, there's no choice in the matter. And so eventually with the excuse of the choir, I, I gained some social freedom, thank God. Um, and I also loved it. And so also this John McCackie was... Um, was directing it and he was brilliant he also took um took another a choir outside the university called the astro choir which is still going uh and it's a contemporary music choir so it's very difficult but wonderful experimental music and this course was experimental it had a lot of contemporary music which is just music that you can make up yourself without any musical training um either through electrically electronically produced or you know through this whole series of composition classes that I took and that was run by Laurie Whiffern I really really enjoyed it I became so inspired that randomly again through this course I changed my major. I changed my major from psychology to music. So randomly. So so yeah. the challenges that you had, which was part of the learning challenges or whatever the HSC challenges, actually shaped your career, your personal growth that then shaped you to be a singer. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> because because also the fact that I had problems with my HSC mm. meant that you sort of if you think about it in hindsight all my failures actually led to open new doors of opportunity which and led incredible to, led success towards, towards my destiny incredible you know, success think, your failures so think, weren't failures yeah exactly if you think of failures <laughs> not as 
as setbacks, but as um, windows of opportunity to learn something from us that that you can get more insight into what you really want to do and what where mm. you really want to go. That actually make makes your life much more. It opens up so many more opportunities, and 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 you don't you don't need to get depressed about things that don't work out. You can just no. see it as 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 um you know almost with eagerness to find out what out what 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 else there is to learn. You know. And that's something that I've discovered when I did pursue singing. Um, I thought, you know, there's always something more you can do to get better. There's always something more you can do to learn. And it makes it, there's no end point. And it's like life, you know. And and that's keeping that dedication. I I love that, Serena. I just love that you've kept that positive mindset and you've kept that loving life attitude even though you've shared with us today that you were anxious that you had obstacles that you kept going regardless that you felt pressure there were many obstacles at this point there was Mm. at this point it was all just you know happy experimentation i didn't have to prove Mm. myself at this point i mean the sense of yes uh, you have to do the, you know, the exercises in the courses and stuff, and get exams, um, but uh, do exams and pass them. But I was pretty good at what I was doing because I really, really enjoyed it. Yes. Um, but I remember one. But I procrastination still. It was a big part of my handicap. Uh, I remember having to do a composition exercise where. I had to do this simple exercise and I couldn't do it and I labored over it and then I gave it up and then I and I went to the lady you know the 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 teacher involved and I said I just can't do it I just I find it so difficult and, and you know hoping she would understand and she just looked at me she goes just get it done <laughs> simple <laughs> <laughs> just get it done don't you know, to basically don't wank about it <laughs> and and I went home and did it straight away you know it's like you know I just these little things really, you know, open windows of of insight, and um, the same. But it didn't stop me from being a procrastination. But I did realize that it was all mental. It was all mindset based, and that that was the beginning of you know of of, of developing developing a, a strategy to get over maybe the procrastination. The same thing happened when I had to do this. I had to compose because in the end, my, my majors in the course was composition, analysis and Baroque music, which really helped me towards, it helped me with my career later on, even with singing and with teaching and with teaching because I teach singing as well and I really, really enjoy it. It's going to be my new profession together with psychology. And in fact, I think I want to mesh the two because mm, performance wonderful performance anxiety and performance um uh, is so intri- intrinsically meshed with uh, with the fact that you produce music you know the psychology is very very important mm, so um, valuable yes exactly well today we might finish up with your fabulous story and we're going to finish up with some of your areas some an area so I'll get you to choose one and we'll add it in to, so that our audience can hear your fabulous voice. And then next week we'll share a second story from you. It's just All been right. a delight today to hear your story. So valuable. And thank you so much for being on Love Your Life, Tell Your Story. We really value Thank you very much for, for uh, inviting me and uh, for letting me share my story. Thank you very much. So wonderful. Thank you. 
the rest leap forward to the next podcast and give us five stars wherever you listen love your life tell your story by kathleen marriott